Good morning. Y'all good? Yeah, that was awesome. Yes. All right. You ready? Ready for more? The Lord has more for us. <clears throat> so here's where I want to start. Would you, um, I have a prayer I want us to pray together. And so would you pray this with me, okay? I'm going to tell you what it is ahead of time. We're going to ask God to rearrange what needs to be rearranged in our life. And we're going to ask him to reestablish our priorities. All right? So that's what we're going to pray for. So pray this with me. Father God, I ask you to rearrange my life according to your will. I ask that you would bring order to any chaos. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want to open your Bibles to John chapter 6, and I welcome you guests as well. We pray God gives you a double blessing and does something special for you. I don't know, something on your prayer list that maybe you've quit asking him for or forgotten about. I pray he does that for you like in the next two or three weeks and just surprises you. Like God likes to give us surprises, and I feel like he wants to surprise you. And I don't know what it is, but we just pray that he would do that. And we bless everyone else here. Thank you for coming. Thank you for those online. Our online audience, we love you. We appreciate you. You're part of our house even though we don't see you in person. Um, someday we'll see all of you in person and we'll, we'll just all get wrecked by the Holy Spirit in the same room together. And Amen? All right, so John chapter 6. <clears throat> and today I want to talk about wants and needs. And typically what happens, and for, for whatever reason, um, let me just start here, all right? I just want to set a quick foundation before we jump into it. Wants are supposed to be birthed from needs, right? The things that we want in life should come because there are something that we need. Like, I need food and water. How many need food and water, right? But I want a cheeseburger and lemonade, <laughs> right? But the want came from a need first. Am I right? Now, my wants can begin to take over and dictate how my needs are met. Track with me, okay? My wants can alter my needs and can rearrange my values and my priorities. So I need food and water. I want a cheeseburger and lemonade. That can turn into a really unhealthy lifestyle, right? It, to where my need has been replaced by out-of-control want. And that out-of-control want can rearrange what my priorities are. And it's really, it's really childlike because if we let a child have what they want all the time, what would they eat all the time? Candy, sugar, whatever. They need sustenance, they need food, and really, and we do the same thing as adults. I'm one of the most guilty. I need energy. What do I do? I drink coffee. <laughs> so now I want coffee, right? So that, that happens to us. And in the kingdom, it's supposed to be the other way around. Our needs are supposed to dictate what we want. Our want is not supposed to be the horse driving the carriage. Our need for God and for the righteousness of God and for the right things is supposed to be the horse and our wants should come into agreement with what we really need. Because otherwise our priorities can get all twisted and turned. And what happens is wants can become so intense that they feel like needs. Wants can be even, they can be a good thing. It's good to uh, reward yourself. If you're, if you're on, a, on a diet, they say this, like it's good to reward yourself and have, have an ice cream every now and then because it's like reward yourself for doing it. Now we can flip it the other way where we reward our bodies with once in a while having a healthy meal. <laughs> we can flip it. And we, we live that way as Americans because the want is sometimes really quickly and an easier satisfaction than a need. 
Sometimes for a need to fully be fulfilled, it takes a lot longer. And we become very immature when we allow our, our wants to begin to direct every area of our life. And here we find this in John chapter six. And this is the question I just wanna ask. Do we live like we need God? Do we live like we need God? Like I, I honestly think that if, if I ask every one of you in here, do you want more of God? We will all say, yes, I want more of God. I want, I want more of God. But do I need more of God? In Matthew chapter five, when Jesus, his first sermon, he starts and he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who acknowledge their absolute need for me, for they shall receive the kingdom of heaven. The only way to fully be fulfilled in life is to want the kingdom from a place of need. I can say I want God, but I have to live from a place where I absolutely need God. Like, I feel it's easy to forget that I can't do anything without God. Many of you are so talented that it's easy for us to get to a place where like, well, I can just do this on my own because this is my talent and forget, I can't do this without God. I need him. I absolutely need God. It needs to be something that burns inside of us. Like, yes, I want God. I want more of God too. But that want should be stirred up from a fire inside that says, not only do I want more of God, I can't live without him. He's, he's everything. I need God. And in John chapter six, this is the story that happens. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell the first uh, 21 verses or so a summary and we're gonna read from verse 22 in a moment. But this is where Jesus is feeding the, the 5,000 people and he feeds the 5,000 people. You know the story in Matthew, it's the five loaves and two fish. And here it's saying, hey, what are we gonna do? We, we don't have money to buy food. And he's like, well, here's five loaves and two fish. Feed the 5,000. And Jesus takes the five loaves and the two fish and he begins to break it and hand it to the disciples. And the disciples begin to break the bread and the fish and they pass it out. And what's the rest of the story? All 5,000 men that were there were fed plus all of the women and children that weren't numbered. And I assure you, they outnumbered the men, right? So the men, the women, the children, all of them were fed by these five loaves and two fish, right? And they had how many baskets left over? 12 baskets left over. The disciples got take home, right? This is really cool. Jesus provided more than enough, okay? And so the, the people were watching this, the Pharisees and the teachers, and they're seeing all this. And then they come down and they see that Jesus walks on the water right after this miracle. Jesus is walking on the water. And then let's jump down to verse 22. It says, on the following day, so they just had a great day, man. Jesus fed 5,000 plus women and children, five loaves and two fish. The, there were 12 baskets left over. The disciples got to take home for just being you know, followers of Jesus. Then Jesus comes walking on the water. They all see that, what a great day. Like, I think you go home at night and it slept really well. I mean, that was like the best day ever. Like, who can imagine? And not only that, the disciples were the ones portioning out the food. So they got to see the things multiply in their own hands as they distributed it. On the next day, the people were standing on the other side of the sea. They saw that there was no other boat there except the one which uh, his disciples had entered. And Jesus had not yet entered the boat, but his disciples had gone away. However, other boats came. 
near the place, and uh, after they ate bread, the Lord gave thanks. And when the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they got in their boats and they came to Capernaum. They were looking for Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, listen to this. You seek me not because you saw signs and wonders, but because you ate the loaves and the fish and were filled. Man. As I was reading this this week, there were times where I would just read that line, that scripture, and I just could, I, I had to just stop like weeping, shaking over my body. There's something on this scripture that the Lord wants us to, to get and understand. Now, these are the same people that came to Jesus all the time saying, hey, perform a sign for us. We want you to show us a sign or a wonder. We want you to perform signs and wonders in the heavens. They were always asking Jesus for a sign. Through the rest of Jesus' life, this is what would happen with this group of people that were bound with this, this, this thinking of the world. They would ask Jesus for a sign. And when they came looking for Jesus, the, the guy who just fed the 5,000, the guy that just walked on the sea, they were looking for him. He says, you're not looking for me because you saw signs and wonders. You're going to see signs and wonders, but that's not why you're here. You're here because you yourself actually partook of the miracle and it filled your own belly. That's why you seek me. And here's the point for us today. We're we're not seeking God just because he performed a miracle or a sign or a wonder. We're seeking him because he filled our belly with blessing. We tasted and we saw for ourselves that God is good. And something will shift in the way we prioritize our life when we allow ourselves to be filled with the favor of God, with whatever he does supernaturally. That's great, but we're filled because we partook of ourselves. And when we do that, then we're filled in our belly, right? And he's saying, you're coming after me because you tasted something you had never tasted before. You were filled with something that nothing else satisfied that longing inside of you. And you're not coming after me because I can perform magic and do these amazing things. You're coming after me because I can meet the deepest longing in your belly. That's where we're at as a church. I feel like God is calling us as fire left to become people who recognize our deep need for God, that we need him to show up in every area of our lives, that I don't just want God, oh God, please bring a miracle and help this situation that I don't have have a way out of. That's not why we need God. We need God because he fulfills every longing of our heart. We need God because we've tasted and seen that he's good and he's what we want. The signs and wonders come with him, but we need to allow ourselves to be filled to fullness with the, with the hunger for God. And, and see, the thing about it is when he fills us, he continues to fill us. What's the scripture in the Old Testament? The Bible says that the train of his robe filled the temple. Everyone say filled the temple. And that word filled didn't mean just one time. It meant filled and continued to fill the temple. Even science, we talked about this before, even science says that the earth and the galaxies and, and, and the, the, the things we cannot even see in space is expanding at such a rate we can't even keep up with it because God feels things and continues to fill them. He's everywhere, right? <clears throat> he wants us to seek after him, not because of what he can do for us by his hand. 
See, this is in the Old Testament when they were, God was speaking about Moses, and he says, the people of Israel, they're familiar with the things that God does, the acts of God. Everyone say the acts of God. So Israel was familiar. They knew really well the acts of God. They sang songs about it at night. When they sat around the fireplace before they went to sleep, they didn't turn on YouTube or Netflix. They told stories of what God did for them and for their forefathers. And he walked us through the waters and the water was parted and he fed us manna in the desert and he gave us signs. And they began to talk about the acts of God. And they said, Israel's familiar with the acts of God. But Moses was familiar with the ways of God. There was a different kind of relationship that's available to us if we'll move past the immature, the superficial of he, he just did these things for me and move into how do you do those things, God? Teach me your ways that I may walk with you. Everyone say that. God, teach me your ways that I may walk with you. And I feel that there's a the stirring that's happening inside of us. And here's the thing about when, we, when, we, when our wants, whether it's you know, physical wants or even our spiritual wants begin to take control is when that want is gone, then another want and another want and another, and we're never, never really thankful. God wants to move us from that place into a place of maturity where we literally are a ball of, of nothing without him. And I, I just want to talk for a minute, okay? Our culture makes it really easy to forget this because everything is so easy. Everything is easy. <laughs> everything's fast. Everything's easy because we want it. But the things that we really need take time. They take a lot of work. But the only real contentment that we'll find is when we allow those things to be what drives our life. It's dangerous to live in a culture where everything is easy and, and, and fast and doesn't cost us anything. It's dangerous. It's dangerous to live in great favor and blessing. You see it all through scripture. You see it all through human history. One generation fights hard to break the yokes of oppression, to break the curses of future, of, excuse me, of past generations, to break off and to become something they've never been before. That generation fights really hard to break through into favor and blessing. And they begin to steward that blessing into something beautiful. And then they pass it on to their children who don't understand what it took to get to that place of favor. And so they don't have the tools or the things necessary to sustain it and not just to sustain it, but to fulfill it to the next level for the next generation. And what happens? You have the Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob generation where Abraham digs the well, Isaac kind of takes care of him, and Jacob has to come back and completely redig the wells because we forgot what our forefathers learned. And it's so dangerous to live in a culture where we don't know what it takes to get to this place in God. I'm, I'm speaking for me as well. I, six generations of, that's me. I have six generations in my family that have served the Lord through ministry. And it's easy for me to just click into autopilot because some things just come really naturally to me. You know, you're around people that, that can work with their hands and they're skilled in other things. And they're like, man, how did he, like I have to 
watch them. Like, how did they know that that was going to happen? I have to learn that way because it comes naturally to them. That's me in this, in this, in the church stuff. Like some stuff just comes so easy and naturally and other things don't. My point is it'd be easy to click into autopilot and those things and not realize I can't do this without God. I can't be a great husband without God. I can't be a great father without God. I can't do anything without God. And we live our lives going from thing to thing to thing to thing, meeting, meeting want, meeting want, meeting want, meeting want. And we miss out on the needs, the deep need that we're supposed to have for God. And God's calling us as a church to grow up. How do we know that we're being led by our great need for God, it will arrange our life. Our needs and want will arrange our life for us. Our schedule will be arranged by the things we value. The time we spend in a day will be arranged by the things we value. Amen? You guys okay? This is good news because when we recognize our need for God, we get the whole kingdom. Hello. When we recognize our need for God, we get the whole kingdom. We get access to it. We get a stake in it. We gain authority in the kingdom. And it all comes from that source of needing God. And I, I just, I want to ask you, honestly, all of us, I'm asking me, how often do I really feel I need God? How often do I wake in the morning, man, like, oh God, I need you today. Not to do anything for me, not to help me handle this problem or pay this bill or come up with a salute. I don't, that's not what I mean. I just need to be with you, God. I need to know you. Like Shagun said, I need to know how to climb into your mind and see things the way you see them and think about things the way you think about them. I need you, God. How many times have we been awakened in our sleep and, and sat up and like, oh God, I need you. That's my prayer today, that God would stir that up in us, that we would awaken in the morning with the first thought is, oh, I need you, God. I can't breathe without you. I can't go to work and provide for my family without you. I can't do anything without you. I pray that we're awakened in the middle of the night with our need for God. I pray that we begin to shake under our need for God, like literally shake for him. See that, like the drug addict, where their want begin, becomes a need. Have you seen them when they need it? I want to need God like that. Like, my body won't function without you, God. My brain won't function without you. Blessed are those who acknowledge their need for God. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Something is happening here. God is stirring something up. There are things being done behind the scenes and, and 
in the prayer room, in the secret place. There are victories being won right now that you're going to see the fruit from these prayers and these victories and these, these battles. You're going to see them soon. Many of you are stirring up the secret place again. We can't, we can't go without the secret place. We can't live without prayer. And I don't mean our prayer list. I mean talking to God and me not talking. <laughs> we can't live any other way. The world is full of such deception and full of so many things that seem right and seem good, but they're not. The Bible says, for there's a way that seems right unto man, but in the end it leads to destruction. That's our world today. These things seem right. These spirits have been sown into the world to deceive and to lie, and they seem good and they seem right. And the only way to not, to not fall prey to that deceiving spirit is to be in tune with the ways of God. I need you, God, to discern. I need you, God, to know what I put my attention toward. I need you, God, to know how to arrange my life. I need you, God, to know which battles I fight and which ones I disengage from. I need you, God. I need your spirit to help me, to guide me, to teach me. Come on. Amen? Amen. Lance, would you come up? Thank you. Jesus. I just want you right now just to stir up your need for God. God, we ask right now that you would begin to stir up our need for you. I ask that you would break down the barriers of self-reliance, the autopilot that we click into. I've been here before. You know, so many times we say things like, been there, done that, got the t-shirt. It's not my first rodeo. I've used this before, but there's an old Native American uh, saying that says, you You never enter the same river twice because the river has changed and you've changed. So that's the way to approach this. Like, I need you, God, like the first day I met you. I need you, God, like the first time you spoke my name and I heard you and I responded to you. God, I pray that our church will be known as a people who need you, that acknowledge our dependence upon you, our need for you, that we're poor in spirit, that we don't think ourselves wealthy or rich in spirit. Break down pride in our lives, God. Yeah. Why don't you keep praying as you stand? Come on. Stir up need in me, God. Stir up my need. Rearrange the priorities of my life. Let me seek first the kingdom, your righteousness, that everything will be added unto it. Jesus, come on.
More than the air I breathe, more than the song I sing, more than the next heartbeat, more than anything, Lord, as time goes by, I'll be by your side, cause I never want to go back to my old life I need you more more than yesterday I need you more come on yeah more than words can say I need you more than ever before I need you more I need you more. Come on, sing it if you know it. More than the air. More than the air I breathe. More than the song I sing. More than the next heartbeat. More than anything. And Lord, as time goes by, I'll be by your side. Cause I never want to go back to my old life More than the air I breathe More than the song I sing More than anything I need you more, yeah More than the air I breathe More than the song I sing more than anything, I need you more. Cause right here in your presence is where I belong. And now my broken heart has finally found a home. And I'll never be alone. I need you more More than yesterday I need you more Yeah, come on, sing it out More than words can say I need you more Than ever before I need you more Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and the fish and were filled. God, I ask right now, would you put your hands on your belly? God, I ask that you would stir up a need and that you would fulfill that need. God, may we, be, may we live and may we be a people who live out of our need for you. We bring our appetites under control in Jesus' name. 
We bring our physical and our spiritual appetites into agreement with your word. Our wants are no longer going to direct our lives. I'm going to bring this to the, to the church world. Well, God, I want you to work in this type of way. I want you to do this type of thing. I want to see this for our church or for our family. I want to see this. I want to see this. That's all great, but it has to come from the need first. It needs to be birthed from our need for God because sometimes we can get ahead of him and start things and do things that aren't in his timing, that won't have his favor on them. And then if we begin to fill our ministries and our lives and our families with those things, it can feel like those things are the important thing and we can lose our attention for the thing that really mattered. And those things may have been good things or things God wants to do for us, but they're out of season, so they're not good for us. So God's going to bring your seasons into alignment right now. For some of us, that's been the the issue. Our seasons have just been out of sync. And God is going to right now sync up our seasons. There's a time to sow and a time to to reap. There's a time to, to, to break up the fallow ground and a time to just leave it alone. God, I ask right now that you would sync up the seasons of our lives, that our bodies and our spirits begin to produce fruit in the natural cycles you have for us. God, from our great need for you, you are the source right now. And I ask that we would have deep roots right now. This is the season. They prophesied it today. You're turning graves into gardens in this room. Graves into gardens. Beautiful gardens with great crops and produce. Great life and flowers and fragrance. Come on. If that's you and you've recognized the seasons of the life has been out of balance, just ask God to to bring those seasons into into, uh, sync, into cycle with his spirit. Come on. There's a time for everything, God. Bring us into your rhythm right now. Oh, I love the passion translation of this scripture. It says, are you burdened? Are you heavy laden? Are you worried with the cares of life, the wants of life? Bring them to me. Lay them on me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And then he says, and I will teach you, listen to this, the unforced rhythms of grace. God, I release over everyone right now the unforced rhythms of grace. Striving ceases right now in Jesus' name. Come on. You don't have to strive when you're in sync with the seasons of God. Ooh. We declare today the end of striving. God, root us to the source, the anchor of Christ. Jesus, be the center of our lives. Would you pray that Jesus be the center of my life? And God, as we put Jesus at the center, align our lives appropriately, arrange our lives.
it's always been you, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, come on. Oh, Jesus. Bring us back. Yeah, to do the things we did at first. If you've just been all out of whack, just come back to Jesus right now. If you've been running, just return and surrender. I want to close this way. I want you to come to the front. I want us to pray here at the front. We can spread across. We got plenty of space here. Come on. Come on. Everybody come to the front. We're going to close service out with us just seeking Jesus. Putting him at the center of our minds. Nothing else is happening next. You're not getting an alert right now that something new is about to, to you got to go somewhere and do something. Just for a few moments, we're going to stir up our attention toward Jesus. I'm not going to talk anymore. You can leave when you're ready. We're just going to stir up our affection for Jesus.